Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi, Mark. I've got some odd questions for you today. Not odd questions, but they're just sort of odd, as in they don't sort of fit into any different category. They're all quite different questions, but they're all going to tap into your knowledge and the psychology of how we as humans should be coping with things. So the first question I'm going to ask you is um, what you should do with a horse that lets you hold to him, but he obviously isn't very connected with you. So he doesn't blink. He has tight nostrils and shallow breaths. This is coming from Tim. And he's just noticing that he's a very disconnected, even though he's putting the halter on, he stands there. What's your advice for that one? It's uh, surprisingly common how that is. Uh, you know, a lot of horses that it's kind of like a learned helplessness and they just disconnect and, and that's the way they kind of deal with it. Um, and the best way to deal with it is when you first notice the disconnection. So so when you're walking up towards your horse and you first notice that the eye go dull and the horse sort of turn away and kind of disconnect, you have to break that train of thought. Um, so sometimes you can set, step back and that draws the horse back in. And, th- and that's kind of, you know, approach and retreat. I always encourage that. But are you, I'm also would use approach and retreat a lot on wild horses and stuff like that. Um, you know, just a little bit of approach, a little bit of treat, retreat. And then, um, but with a horse that start to shut out to people, um, as soon as you add a certain pressure and a certain walk to the horse, they'll kind of automatically shut out. So as you're walking up to your horse, as soon as you sort of notice that, that, that glazy sort of look where the horse is sort of tilting away and sort of blocking you out, I'd, I'd get their attention. I'd, you know, I'd bang my leg or I'd, um, just do something to distract that thought to come back. And when that thought come back towards me, I'd, I'd just step back a little and, and just say, you know, um, thanks for that. That's, 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 that's good. So basically you're trying to, uh, tell them to let go of what they're doing. And, and a lot of horses let go of it quite well. Once you show them that it's okay to let go of that thought and draw their thoughts to you, as long as you sort of give them space and step back. So you're not sort of in that bubble that's, that, you know, in that area that created them to look away in the first place. So you're drawing them out of that sort of, you know, disconnected state, drawing them to sort of focus on you a little bit more, and then you step away and reward them for that. And every time you walk up, uh, every time they harden, don't necessarily step back as they harden and look away, just distract them, step back again. Um, And then you'll get to a stage that as you're walking, the horse will come, like, think towards you as you're walking towards it. That's what you're aiming for. You know, if you're still, you know, down the track walking towards your horse and you're having to stop and step back all the time to get your horse interested in you it means that they're um they're they're feeling intimidated and 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 sort of thinking away when you're walking towards them so that's why you got to get them to try and draw into you as you're walking towards them uh but for the start you'll stop get their get their thoughts towards you as in let, let go of what they're doing and then and then uh you know make your way in slowly until they can sort of connect and and when they first connect with you don't 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 put the holder straight on just let them sniff on you then step away uh and then i'd probably put a rope around their neck back near the wither somewhere and and as i'm haltering i would actually draw them into a conversation so with the rope on their neck um i would start to to lead them into me and i'd just walk backwards and let them move their feet because you've got to remember that those horses that are kind of blocking and thinking away 
they get frozen as well. And, you know, I would rather get a horse to think towards me and move towards me a little bit with, you know, with a feel around their neck until they're engaging with that. And, and you'll see them start to let out some of that tension. The brace will start to disappear and the horse will soften and just move. And, and you're kind of just drawing and moving backwards, leading the horse with the rope around its neck a little bit um, until the horse comes into the conversation and it's soft. And then I just draw its thoughts into the holder. When the thoughts go away, I just step back, draw the thoughts in, get the horse to yield in towards me, not just with the head, but, but with the movement. Because um, I find the more chances you can get to unlock a freeze or anything like that, the, 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 the you know, the, the, the quicker you're moving along uh, and, 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 and the more successful your horse training is going to be. So uh, instead of just getting the yield the head in and standing quietly with a bend in, in, into you, I would actually create a movement and a yield and the horse thinking in. And then when the horse thinks into the holder softly, you can just stop then and just, just slip the holder on and, and tie it up. Um, and, and every time you walk to your horse, you would sort of uh, encourage that until the horse is sort of soft and, um, so you, as I say, you're still using a certain amount of approach and retreat, but you're actually distracting that horse just a little stronger to get it to let go of that, that disconnection or that sort of um, the blocking out that it's doing. So you're kind of doing a bit of both. You, you know, the, the horse has got to do something as well, not just you do all the approaching and retreating. But, yeah, if you go along working on that, then, yeah, you, you know, you soon have your horse coming out of that, that, that state. So it's important to sort of get them out of that state before you start to do anything with them. Presumably, you don't want to be working them in that if you've acknowledged it. Yeah. Yeah. What well, what I say to you know, the funny thing is, is there's only you know, the more you do with horses, the more you realise there's not that many lessons. You know, once upon a time, you know, I would be thinking, oh, there's a lesson you do at the mounting block, and there's a lesson you do at the float, and there's a lesson you do when you're catching them, and and uh, you realise that everything is kind of the same. The horse, every, every time you see a little brace, you're addressing the brace, you know. So, you know, I say to some people, you know, they're having a bit of trouble at one end of the arena or something, and I say, you know, there's no cocktail bar at the other end of the arena, so there's no need to, to, to do the lesson up there. You're only ever working where the brace is. Um so when you're catching a horse, you you might be wanting to put a holder on in a hurry or whatever and go somewhere, but you're only addressing the brace that's in front of you or the anxiety that's in front of you all the time. And and, and, and by doing that, you're constantly tipping the worry out for the horse until um, you get to a stage that the horse is carrying a lot less anxiety around you because every time you see that brace and anxiety, you do something to tip it out or you get that, sorry, more so, you do something so the horse can do something to tip it out. So you're empowering them. Okay, that's great. Um, okay, moving on then. So um, Lisa would like to know, um, and I'm sure we have all can relate to this, uh, what tips or suggestions do you have, please, for horse owners to help them when their thoughts or their mind wander to what-if scenarios with your horse? Yeah, actually, I was only talking to her about this. We did a live um, lesson, and I did mention to her uh, to put this in the question and answer because I sort of hummed on it for a while and thought, and that's the thing. I notice more and more at clinics now, you know, when I first ever did a clinic, I'm thinking of all these ways I can help a person, you know, educate their horse better. 
and then I realised that, you know, everyone always said, you know, that there's been that saying around for years, is if you're going to educate the horse, you've got to educate the person. But it's not just about educating the horse about what education they need to know or how how to train a horse. It's about sometimes how they can be and 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 be a better person around their horses, not just apply information, uh, you know, like or or you know, technique, I suppose. And what I've realised is you can't apply technique when there's a lot of trouble going on in yourself and a lot of anxiety and stuff like that because horses know all the subtleties and all the little body languages and stuff like that that we do and all the little sort of things that we do when we're nervous are different than when we're calm and it's hard to be centered and uh, you know offer a clear pathway and confidence in our horses when when we're just as fragile if not more fragile than them so how do we deal with that you know like I hear a lot of, you know, techniques of breathing and, you know, whether it be breathing, meditation, whatever people are doing to sort of get themselves more centred. I do find if I got people to focus on their breathing, sometimes they actually start to focus too much on their breathing. And um, I think sometimes they actually, because they're focusing on that so much sometimes, well, well, one, you have to know that you're breathing because you don't want to hold in there, like tighten up like a horse. But focusing on your breathing sometimes can almost focus on, you, you know, focus on your anxiety a little bit too, which which is not good. So what I've done over the years, and I, I, I've not done any courses on how to really centre and ground people. That's why I say, you know, just grow your roots into the ground. So I use my imagination. That's what I use. Um, so little things I might do um, – so, for instance, when I grow my roots into the ground, so so, and the conversation actually, I'll, I'll bring the conversation up a little bit because um, it was more so on windy days. You know, the person starts to get anxious, and because it's windy, because and 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 I said, well, are you scared of? Are you really scared of a windy day? Are you? Yeah, I said, no, no, no. If you go out on a windy day and just stand in the paddock without your horse, are you scared? No, no, I'm quite fine. I say, so you're not scared of a windy day. But when you're holding your horse, you're scared of a windy day. And that's that's the thing. And it's like, you know, if you go to buy, if you go to the show to buy a show bag, are you scared of the show? And some people would say, yeah, because they're, they're very, very, you know, they don't like a lot of crowds and stuff. But most people go, well, I'm not that scared of the show to go and buy a show bag or something. But when you take your horse to the show, are you, are you scared? Well, yeah, I'm petrified. So... Somehow we've got to show to our horses that we're not scared of the show, we're not scared of the windy days. Um, we're just worried about what our horses are going to do. That's that's the biggest thing. Um, and whatever we take them into a human environment, the intensity and in, how the horse feels about that in human environment is affecting us, though we're not scared of the human environment. So, um, so I guess... What I what I was trying to sort of what I do is I distract myself. So so when I say grow your roots into the ground and become a tree and stand quietly. Uh, so say if it was a windy day and your horse was kind of you know like a helium balloon flying around on the end of a rope. Um, I don't worry about the wind because the wind is something I can't control. I can offer help to the horse, so I can control the horse in a certain way. I can control the rope, but I can't control the wind. So there's no point worrying about the wind. There's no point worrying about the show. So what I do is I, if I, if I imagine that I'm grounding myself, I imagine my, my feet touching the ground and I imagine my roots growing into the ground. I just imagine that I'm doing something 
when I take a foot, when I take when I take a footstep and I and I place my step, I'm I'm kind of watching where I put my foot sometimes or the area where I'm going to place my foot, and I might notice a weed that's out of place or a bit of grass or something. And as I put my foot down, I imagine roots growing out of my my feet into the ground. Um, and and I'm thinking I might just stop here and stand here because this is a good place, this part of the ground. And so I just kind of imagine things that get my mind out of the wind. So if the wind was stirring and everything like that, I don't need to worry about that. I'm just worrying about where I'm grounding myself. Uh, so, you know, when I ride horses and I'm, and I'm quite nervous and, and like I heard someone, some, a trainer said to somebody once and I was a bit disappointed because I'm like, you know, I guess it, the, the trainer sort of, I guess, made the person feel like, you know, they would never be able to work their horse because they get quite nervous around their horse. And they said, oh, you, you, you know, if you're going to walk in, in the yard with that horse, you know, there's no point walking in. If you're going to show show fear, or if you're going to if you're fearful, um, and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe you've never worked any winky horses because I've worked some pretty tough horses, and I tell you what, some of those horses I've been really really nervous to get on, and you know I can't have just gone, ha, huh, you know I'm just uh, you know above fear, and I just float along. I, 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 it's just how I operated under pressure, and I think. You know this thing that we can't have fear and show fear. You know we 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 got to have a way of not showing so much fear. But there's so many people and horses in their life that work well under pressure, and they've got anxiety. It's just how they cope and operate. So when people say you can't fake it, well, you kind of can because a lot of people have to fake it a little bit and still get by and make decisions and stuff like that. So. So that's where I go back to the distraction. We're just distracting ourselves. So when I'm riding a horse, instead of looking out over the horizon, I might just kind of look a few metres in front and I see a bit of grass out of place and I might just lead the horse over to that bit of grass and I'm just keeping my mind sort of in the area in front of me, thinking about where I want to go next. Or And I mightn't even ride there, but I'm just checking out the terrain, noticing things, just trying to keep my mind on the real present not in the future. So I'm just trying to keep it in the present. Um, and, um, you know, and even if I sort of was, it was like standing there in a windy day and, and you're nervous around your horse and stuff like that, like when you stand, like sometimes you can imagine yourself standing on a beach just, you know, wriggling your toes in the sand trying to bury down to catch some pippies or something like that. Like it just little things like that. That, that puts your mind in a better place so you can just sort of go on about what you're doing. And, and the other thing I'd, I'd, I'd like to see is I'd like to try and see the good in all situations, you know, in in a sense, you know. I, I, I say a lot, like, you know, some people might see me get a little big with a horse to sort of get it to let go of a hard thought. But the whole time I'm saying, good on you, good on you for softening, you know. I'm saying good. I'm trying to, trying to keep that every time the horse does something good. I, I only say, oh, that's really good in my mind. I, I try and stay very neutral to the negatives because they're not negatives. That's just the horse expressing itself and communicating. Um, mm. And I don't want to buy into it. And it's, it's not personal. So the other thing I also do for people who carry a lot of anxiety around their horses is I see so many people hold somebody else's horse better than they hold their own because they have a, um, you know, like, they've got so much history with that horse that they're really uh, anxious around that horse because they're worried of 
one, they don't want to stuff it up. That's that's a big worry of a lot of people. I don't want to. I don't want to be, um, you know, make a mistake. Um, and also, I know what this horse can do. Uh, I've seen it do these crazy things, and that's in my memory. So, so the other thing I say to to and and how you can operate better around your horses and be calmer is, you go in there and you tell yourself, someone loan this horse to me to help. It's like a distraction that can be very powerful if you think about it strong enough. So you're you're just helping a horse in that very moment. It's not the horse you remember. It's just the horse that's been gifted to you to help. And that's why I can stay a lot calmer at a clinic than the people around me. Not because necessarily I might be better than them or something. It's not got anything to do with that. It's more so it's not my horse. I'm just here to help that moment with that horse. So it's not personal at all. And I find that quite empowering for the person also to, to help them unload some of that nervous baggage that they have. Is um, so, so those things I, I, I kind of do to help them. No guru in all that other sort of stuff. It's just, just trying to, but I believe meditation is some way of distracting your mind out of the anxiety that gets caught up in. So, so I think the power of distractions is a, is a really good thing. And, you know, just I live in a little imaginary world. So, so sometimes people hear me say this saying and they say, I've never heard you say that before. Well, I've, well, I've never heard that saying either because I only just made it up. Um, and that <laughs> keeps my mind, you know, just ticking over from all, all my demons because I've, I've been in a lot of wrecks and, and you know, so, so I've got my own demons that I've got to deal with as well. And through just explaining what I'm doing and, and, and trying to show people stuff, it helps me verbalize it so i can i can sort of you know keep on top of my demons as well so um but anyway yeah it's not easy and um but you're allowed to be frightened around a horse it's just you've got to try and distract yourself into a place that you can make rational decisions and act not react um Mm. as long as you can sort of do that and 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 center yourself and ground yourself your horses will will start to find comfort around you even though you're still nervous because there's a lot of leader horses that still are nervous when they make decisions and i'm sure the horse other horses still follow them because those horses still made a decision and and they believed in that decision okay just staying um on that topic a little bit uh, i have a question here from tanya about believing in herself she has a rising two-year-old gelding he's very mouthy some geldings can be and likes to own all the space around him she's just started watching your videos and she's finding them really helpful but she's trying to get away from using the flag she's proven to be difficult at the moment she's teaching him how to lead and go backwards and um, but when she leads him forward he marches very strongly towards her and his energy is a lot stronger so she tends to suck back inside herself and doesn't believe that she can do it. And it doesn't take very many steps before he decides that he wants to jump forward and play games. And then when she tries to ask him back with the feel of the rope, he wants to play and nip. So she's trying to ignore him, but it's all one big game and she doesn't completely trust him, which isn't helping. So she's obviously aware of the situation is not working at the moment. She has been working with another overseas clinician who she's finding really good, using her intention and energy and backing up with the flag but she's finding that that is making him overreact. So she just would like to know, Mark, if you have any idea on how she can help believe in herself a bit more. Well, I'm a, uh, when I train young horses and by the sounds of it, the level that your horse is at and what you want to train in it, um, 
I'm not a big believer in lifting energy and pushing. Like people see me work energy over time with a, at a clinic where the horse starts to lift with my energy and really feel my energy. But I don't do it by lifting my energy. I actually do it by lifting the horse's energy, um, not mine, until the horse can lift in front of me. I just generally follow my horses. Um, and without explaining that, I won't go deeply into it, but it's that it's, it's like I get the horse to think something and I follow that idea. So I work closely with a rope. Um, now, this will help you a lot because it sounds like, you know, you shrinking into yourself and then you having to lift your energy to move your horse back or anything like that. It sounds like it's going to get personal, okay? You know, what I mean by that is, you know, the horse has got to have responsibility and you shouldn't have to sort of rise or fall to get that horse to do things all the time, you know? It's almost like the, you know, the nice happy tradie that comes along and smiles and does all your work and then, uh, but he doesn't give you the bill. The office gives you the bill, okay? Um, sometimes horse training can be a little bit like that is you can be the good person and sometimes the rope can offer guidelines in your horse, uh, guidelines and a pathway for them to follow and you don't have to do much at all. And when you can do that and master that, You'll be surprised how 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 well your horse will respond. So all your job is to do is stay grounded. So when your horse is coming towards you, because you've because you've used a bit of energy and lifting energy to get your horse to go away, when you draw your horse, your horse is looking at you and your energy. So you're getting you're, you what you've got to be careful of is you're getting your horse to fixate on you and your energy. So when you step back or draw your horse, your horse is going to come into you and then. Because it's 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 destinating to you because you've you've got it to read your energy. So which means you've got to lift your energy, move it back, and then you lower your energy and and draw your horse. The horse comes in, and to stop the horse from coming in, you have to lift your energy up again to say bounce back. Otherwise, the horse will come all the way in because you actually got your horse to watch your energy, so they focus on you. So you become the destination. Um. I hope that makes sense, and I'm not losing you on that. But that's tends to what happens. You you actually get like if we if we use too much body language and energy, the horse is targeting and focusing on our energy. Uh, they should be aware of our energy and kind of focusing on the task. And this is the this is the balance in getting a horse aware, not hyper focused. And it's not so easy, but it is easy once you understand it. So, um, so what I would say is I'd stand quietly. And I'd ask the horse to come in from a distance. If it oversteps, I'd just send a wave up the rope to, to make it a bit uncomfortable for that horse when it comes a little further forward because you could, one, pop the flag, and, and but it's still a visual. But you, at least if you pop the flag, you wouldn't be doing anything in your body. You could bang your rope on your leg and stand quietly. You might hurt your leg, but if you aim for the like a long boot or you've got those sort of chaps on or whatever, you can bang your chaps and... That'll be enough to sort of change that horse's thought for a moment to know, to teach, to, to show it to stop because your energy's just stopped. Okay, so, um, but what I would do is just get the horse, if it's coming in too far, I just, I just put a bit of energy in the rope, whether it be a wriggle or a little wave up that puts a little bump in it to say, that's, that's enough. Um, and I would use the rope to guide the horse in so the horse is going, it's going towards you, but not to you. And that's the biggest thing. The horse is only going towards you 
the amount you've asked, not to you because it's looking at you. It's following the feel of the rope. And you use the rope to do most of that, I guess you could say dirty work, I suppose. You know, instead of you having to step up and say, stop, you know, and come to me and go away, uh, you just say, come up softly with the rope and maybe back up with the rope if you did teach him to wriggle back with it with a bit of a wriggle or something like that. Um, but stand completely neutral and let the rope do the work so the horse has another pathway that's not just visual. And I think that's really important to teach them to soft, softly balance. And, and where that's going to help you later on is the horse needs their eyes to think about the logs that they're going to cross and, and, and where they're going to move and, and, and the obstacles and all those things that they might need to look at. They don't need their eyes for you because you're riding them. A horse is going to use their feel to listen to you under saddle. So if you if you get them to use their eyes too much on the ground, well, they're going to rely on their eyes when you ride them and going to be lost in the field. So um, there's a there's a point where you've got to get the horses to, to stop looking at us and exactly what we're doing and try and figure out what the what the what the pathway of feel is asking them. So um, and then you can stand there and just be grounded and grow your roots and be strong, kind not have to worry about, you know, big energy and little energy and all that sort of stuff. And that will help your horse a lot because it'll, it'll get it really balanced and it'll give it a lot of confidence about knowing where it is, where it's supposed to be, not having to watch you all the time and your energy and exactly what you're doing. Uh, and it won't be personal then and it won't be like, um, and then you'll slowly get stronger with that because the rope will be able to step in and, and, and change a thought in your horse without you having to worry about, oh, what do I have to do? Very good. That's that's a lot of that. I hope that helps, um, Tanya. You might want to think about sending Mark a video that he can review, so we can see what you're up to, where you're going. Because obviously, if you're a bit new to Mark's stuff, um, might be nice just to have that um, extra extra support there for you. Um, Mark, I've got two questions left. We're just going to get a really quick answer from you, please, on each of them. Uh, the first one is freezing. How do you know your horse is frozen, even if it is for a split second? And what do you do when it does? Unfreeze it. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, I just have to do something to unfreeze it. So, so when a horse freezes, most times I'm trying to redirect it. So, so basically, if a horse freezes in a little bit of a backup, I'm going to do something and move it so it moves. Um, and then unfreeze it and, and so get it to let go of that thought, move its feet. Move its feet, okay. So if I was leading it forwards and backwards and it froze, I'd sometimes firm up a little to break through the freeze. So sometimes you have to firm up, break through the freeze. Um, you might angle the rein differently so it comes at a different angle so the horse, you know, feels something different. Sometimes you can actually, um, you know, snap a horse out of a freeze by, a, you know, a crack on your leg or, you know, just a pop of the flag. Because that freezes them, but it also can unfreeze them as long as there's a pathway that you can lead them into that that gets them to move and and you know follow follow something. Um, so yeah, if a horse froze when I was riding it uh, and it just sort of gazed and froze, I wouldn't kick it. That's one thing I wouldn't do because kicking it is the hardest way to get a horse out of a freeze, and kicking it usually gets the horse into a worse position after the freeze than you'd really like to be in. So if a horse froze when I was riding it, I'd, I'd just pick up a rein and I'd take the bend and I'd just bend and until the horse broke that freeze and walked off in a new direction uh, until I could get that horse to softly let go of the brace 
and think in a new direction. I'd, I'd keep saying freeze and I'd just redirect it, freeze until the horse doesn't freeze anymore. And on the ground, it'd be the same thing. You know, if I'm working with a horse that freezes, I would just keep doing something until, and whether it be leading sideways, backwards, whatever, trying to get it to unlock that freeze. As soon as I unlock that freeze, it, I just let it travel a little bit. Um, yeah, you just, 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 just like try and unlock about. them. It, it sounds to me like we're talking about a mental freeze, and so you're engaging the mind by moving the body. The two are very closely yep. linked always. Once the horse moves a little, you see the mind start to open up. So, as I say, you can distract the freeze through a like something that's more of an emotional pop where you just go, hey, like, like you know, like if I clicked, the, if someone was kind of staring out the window and I clicked my finger beside their head they'd go whoa what that and that suddenly that freeze and that gaze would just go whoop and they'd look around and get back in the living again because they might be really gazing at something frozen so my, my click of my finger breaks the freeze so 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 sometimes you can do the as i said the crack on the leg or the pop of the flag will break that freeze like that it'll also put a freeze in a horse too because you get a soft horse click your finger and the horse will freeze for a moment but then you click your finger again and they'll unfreeze so um so you can break them through that like focal or uh, just any distraction like that. But I, I also want to break it through through the reins and the lead rope because that's the one you're going to need because when they're frozen, pulling back and they're leaning, you want to know that they can release that. So I, I just go, basically my, my clinics half the time are a brace hunt. Um, I'm going on a brace hunt. I'm going to hunt some brace. Um, and so basically I'm going to hunt freeze as well because freeze is part of that brace. Um, and, and I'll hunt one out and I'll, I'll, I'll unfreeze it and then I'll go to the next one and I'll unfreeze it until I, I go on a hunt and I can't find any brace or freeze left. Um, and I think we've got to treat it like that, not avoid it because, um, it, it'll come up when we least want it and when the horse is most vulnerable or in danger. Right. Okay. Uh, and the last question, Mark, is from Megan. She's um, for those of uh, you who aren't uh, or who are overseas, I should say. We're now coming into spring. It's been a very lush spring for both of us in Australia. And uh, Megan is wondering about spookiness that comes with this time of year. It seems that there are gremlins in every bush, like never before. Have you got any tips and suggestions for managing this extra spookiness? Spring grass only um, magnifies the holes in our training. <laughs> uh, and that's probably so, – so basically a soft horse is a soft horse and understands training. And, yeah, they might run around. The days are warmer. They feel good. They're, you know, there's also the hormones that come through in spring a lot. So there's all those things that, you know, come out with the spring and more, more sugar in the grass, so, you know, like us, more energy, stuff like that. Uh, if that's exasperating spookiness, I'd be a bit worried about my horse's mental state all the time, okay? I'd, I'd be looking into it all the time, and maybe the horse is a little bit more spooky, but it always was a bit spooky, but it was just a bit reserved. And also, I think in springtime, a lot of people do a little less, especially the last, you know, Everyone, just about everywhere in Australia, has had probably one of the wettest winters we've ever had and, and the longer cold winter, as in, you know, cold, miserable sort of winter. So a lot of people have done a lot less with their horses as well. So sometimes over the winter you can be doing a little less too and that can also be part of why 
when you take your horse out, it's a bit more fresh because it's sort of uh, you've had less time with it, um, you know, uh, you know, helping it and educating it and stuff. So that could be part of the problem. But I, I believe that um, springtime only sort of, as I said, um, magnifies some of the holes in our training and where we need to work on. Um, I don't think there's any particular thing that you do because your horse is more spooky. It's just that you've just got to maybe before you take it out, if it, you know, before you take it out and you think it's spooky, get it softer before you take it out. And you'll probably find that that's, that's the cause more so than just springtime spookiness. I don't think it's springtime spookiness. It's just um, there's more horse there. Um, and, you know, it's like, you know, if, if you open up a shutdown horse, all the gremlins come out because it's really like out there and alert and it's sort of, you know, all those those things come out. So I think... I think that's what that might might, might, might be what what's happening, and I think you could, you could look into it like that because um, there's no real remedy. It's just it's just go back and, and find out what we you know where the brace is, where the where the horse is not sure, and 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 just work on that. Uh, and springtime's going to be the best time because the horse is more open. There's there's more horse there, that raw horse that you want to train. Um, so yeah, so, sorry if it's a bit of a vague answer, but. That's that's kind of what I believe, and and as I say, also I think it's a little less time that we spend with them through the winter, uh, on top of all that extra, you know, sugar and hormones and all that. It kind of kind of can can cause more of a, you know, more things happening and more anxiety, uh, more energy, stuff like that. So an opportunity uh, for Megan just to get back on top of the training that perhaps might need to be done, and then you can move forward. Hopefully, it won't be yep. so bad next year. Thank you very much, Mark. It's fantastic listening to you yet again and really good questions. I really enjoyed the answers that you were able to give. Really enlightening. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.